I just remember I, I sat in a chair in his office. Him and his wife were there. And they just loved on me unconditionally. And he asked me, he said, Maureen, do you want to be married to Bo? And I said, no, I don't. And he said, let me ask you this. Do you want to want to be married to Bo? And I kind of thought about that. And it was a question I hadn't asked myself. And I told him, I think so. I don't want to, but if I could want to want to, yeah, I think so. And, um, and I was thinking, I was like, how long has it been? Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's been 10 years. Wow. It's been a decade. That's wild. And I remember thinking to myself, cause I journaled, I've got to find it. I journaled from day one when all of this happened. Mm. And I remember writing, like, I don't even know why I'm writing this down. I guess like the hope that it might be used later. I don't know. But like I, I journaled everything from that first week. Um, and I remember thinking like, as, as I walk, as we kept walking through it. And once I got to the place where like, I, I was thinking, okay, we might can make it out of this thinking to myself, like, what will it be like five, 10 years from now? Like I can't Mm. even imagine being married to him that Mm. far away from now. And like, it's 10 years. And it's, here we are. <laughs> here we are. Isn't That's that so crazy? crazy? 10 years. I love that. Yeah, it was a true miracle. It was a true miracle. Well, hey, girl. Welcome to this week's episode of Get Up Girl, a podcast inspired by women of all cultures and backgrounds who have been toe-to-toe in the ring of discouragement, disappointment, defeat, and how they got back up to fight. Each episode, we'll be discussing, well, all the things marriage, business, parenting, racial divides, grief, loss, and everything in between. We believe that you will be encouraged by these women through their stories. So come on, girl. It's time to get up. So I'm Maureen. Um, All of my friends call me Mo. That was actually a nickname that I was given in junior high. And so when Bo and I met um, in high school, that was kind of like the joke that, oh, y'all were meant to be together, Bo and Mo. And it's always been Bo and Mo. So now it's the kind of the funny thing about it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, though, because it's the struggle with the monogram, though, because anytime mm-hmm. I, I can order something with my name on it, it's the, do I want Mo or Maureen? Because if I, I like the way Maureen looks on a monogram, like the script of Maureen, mm-hmm. but I'm like, if I leave that at church, like no one's gonna know who Maureen is. Like, <laughs> if true. I ever lose something with Maureen on it, that like no one, everyone knows Mo. No yeah. one knows Maureen. I have two boys. Been married to my husband Bo for 15 years. We just celebrated 15 wow. years in March. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's a miracle. Um, two boys, Bexley and Brooks, 13 and almost 12 now. Um, we've homeschooled for five years and this, this coming year will probably be the first year that they go back to school, which will be a new season for us. Um, mainly because I have recently opened a new business. We have a a CrossFit gym and, um, yeah, which is no joke. (laughs) I'm on week. Well, I'm about to start my third week at your gym. That's awesome. Yeah. And And you come consistently. Listen. Y'all don't play. I stay sore. I love it. I <laughs> I'm love sore it. in places that I'm like, didn't know you could be sore there. That's different. I so, love it. Um, what's it been like 
owning your own business. How's oh, that Oh man. It's so, so before we got married, I owned, I did photography. Um, and I did, I specialized in weddings and I did that for almost 10 years. And so then when I, when I had the boys, um, and then when we moved away, I stopped, just lost my passion for it. Um, and so I haven't done anything since then. And I've just, for the past few years, I've been like, kind of ready for something, but didn't want to make anything happen, really didn't know exactly what it was that mm -hmm. that I wanted to do. Um, and then this opportunity kind of presented itself and everything just fell into place. Like the Lord had just granted so much favor on this business. And um, But it's been a struggle. I mean, I think the biggest struggle really has been how to balance homeschooling and having a business because homeschool for us has been just, I mean, for me, it's number one priority, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so it, being that is it's a gym atmosphere and we have classes, it's been a little bit easier because we started with just afternoon stuff. So it kind of allowed me to have my mornings with the boys um, and then go into work. But it has definitely been, it's been a transition. Yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. But I love it. I love it. It's funny though, because it's a gym, but most of my work is done like on the computer, on my phone, like so mm. much, I guess, back office kind of stuff that yeah. I just... I knew it would have to be done, but just didn't anticipate like how much of that yeah. it is. You know, like coaching's the easiest part. It's, right. <laughs> it's everything else that you have to do. Yeah. Um, that's the work, but mm -hmm. but it's it's going well. We just hit fifty athletes, which was our goal for the end of June. Wow. So yeah, so that's really exciting. We're six months old. Yeah. Um. We'll we'll be six months old at the end of June. So yeah, yeah it's going well. Fifty. That's really cool. It's so cool. And a little old Halton. I know it, right? Who'd have thought. Okay, so anything else you want to say about your, um, who you are, that comes to your mind? Hmm. A world class knitter. Oh, I was just thinking that. <laughs> I was just thinking. That's for sure. <laughs> you would never guess. At least I don't think people would guess. Mm -mm. I love to knit and quilt. It's like I'm a grandma at heart. I mean, it's just my thing. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. I love that about you. I love that you're an old soul. And we should probably mention that you're Panamanian. Yes. So uh, just to give people who are going to be listening, like, a visual. Yeah. Um, you look just like Wonder Woman. So Hey, <laughs> you're my favorite today. There you go. That's, all, that's really all people need to know. <laughs> I love it. All right. So let's go ahead and um, let's get into this thing. So why don't you just go ahead and tell us a little bit about you and Bo when y'all first got married and kind of just how y'all started off as newlyweds. So we got married in March. Um, in August, we ended up moving to Missouri to take a job position there. We were only there for about four months before we moved back. Um, job did not go as we hoped it would. Um, there were some things promised to us that didn't come through. And um, just to make a long story short, it just did not work out. There was a lot of hurt from that decision um that move there was a lot of bitterness anger a lot of emotions that we both were dealing with um that we never talked about our communication skills were almost zero um and we didn't we didn't even realize that until until fast forward to pre to counseling later on but from that move when we got back my understanding was we were going to look for another job position in that same field, and he had already made this decision, nope, I'm done with that. We're just going to stay put here and do life like it is. 
and because we never talked about that, that just harbored even more resentment on my end. And so the hurt and the anger want, just started from what life just happened to us. Um, and then I allowed it to affect our relationship or we allowed it to affect our relationship because we never talked about it. Um, and so, so that was not even a year into our marriage. And, um, and because of lack of communication, we just, little walls were starting to be built. We weren't, weren't really even aware that we were building those walls, but it was happening because we weren't talking. Um, so then Bo and his dad, um, they do dirt track racing. They were really, really great at it. Um, they had done it for years, even before Bo and I were dating. Um, and they would race just about every weekend. Um, and so most of the times I went with them, but, um, but not every time. Um, and so I was already kind of feeling an aspect of loneliness um, that, again, I didn't voice I did not communicate to him. He had no idea that I was feeling these things. Um, Which can be, can kind of enhance that loneliness when absolutely. you feel like you're the only one feeling. Absolutely. No one else knows, yes. you know, so, and, yes. and you were what, 20, 21? I was. At this point? Almost 20. Yeah, so still oh, 19. Wow. Okay. <laughs> still, when yeah. we moved to Missouri and moved back, I was still 19. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Newly married, still 19. Yeah. And just kind of harboring all this lonely and and bitter and trying to figure out marriage on top of all of these other emotions. I mean, it was just a recipe for disaster. Um, So, yeah. So bringing all of that and then and then feeling like our time was kind of being taken away. Um, Our time together. So we were going on less dates. Um, When we went on dates, we just. We talked, but it wasn't about anything deep. Um, looking back, at, you know, all of this I didn't even realize at the time. I mean, honestly, Leanne, if you had asked either one of us if we had a good marriage at the time, we would have told you we had a great marriage. Well, it was because we never fought. And we never fought because we never talked about anything worth fighting over. Yeah. So we could count when we walked through our crisis almost seven years into our marriage, we could probably count on one hand how many, like, real fights we ever had in seven wow. years. All because our communication skills were nada, mm. <laughs> just non-existent. And through that, I opened myself up to social media, um, Facebook specifically. And I was messaged um, by a man and ultimately um, led into us communicating. And after about a month or so, um, that led into a full-flown affair, which lasted almost a year. I like to point out leading up to our crisis, um, which I like to call AKA the dark ages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's accurate. You're right. Yeah. Um, so leading up to that, we were, we were in church. Um, we we served in the youth ministry um, at the time. We were very heavily involved in our church. Um, we were what we at the time we called them youth sponsors. I don't know if they call it that now anymore. Mm-hmm. But um, but every Wednesday, every Sunday morning, every Sunday night. I mean, if the church doors were open, we were there. Um, and just over a period of time, there was wasn't really like a specific event that I can remember, but just kind of slowly started getting distracted. Um, we 
just kind of sun every every Sunday, like uh, not every Sunday, but every now and then, like maybe once or twice a month, we would just be like, hey, let's just sleep in, let's just not go, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so in kind of becoming distracted from our faith, we just naturally started developing friendships outside of church with other people mm-hmm. um, through our through our jobs, through our interests. Um, and so that kind of led to, we kind of opened the door for ourselves in um, just starting to go out on the weekends. Um, we were hiring a babysitter like every weekend mm-hmm. um, and just got to where we were going out all the time. We were taking trips. Um, I mean, just our focus was so selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like to point out that this didn't happen overnight, and we were very much involved in church leading up to mm. our our crisis. Um, so, yeah. So, over the course of about a year, again, just slowly becoming distracted, um, slowly kind of stepping our way out of just being in church, in a healthy community, in a faith-based community, um, we just started making just poor decisions, just really small decisions, one after the other, that just kind of led us to, we really, we weren't involved in church. Um, I, there was really, our faith just wasn't, really just wasn't there. It wasn't alive, mm-hmm. right? Um, and sorry, how yeah. long had y'all been married? So at, at this, this point? point, we had been married almost seven years. Okay. Yeah, so we were like in our sixth year. Okay. So all this was kind of starting these, harboring these feelings and this loneliness and y'all not communicating. This was in the, within the first year of marriage. Yeah. But you said your affair didn't happen until almost year seven. That's right. So there were seven years yeah. of just yeah. not communicating and just stuffing. Yeah. Is that Exactly. Right? Yes. Wow. Yes. Okay. Stuffing would be a great word to use. And, you know, when we've shared our story before, um, Bo likes to say it in this way, that instead of doing life, life really did us. So fast forward to year six, seven, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, like, as far as kind of what you were feeling, did you, did you ever reach a point where you just kind of shut off or shut down? No, I don't remember reaching that point until everything with my affair came out. Um, and then I allowed myself to emotionally detach from, from Bo. So I got caught. I did not come out with, hey, I've been having an affair for a year, you know, whatever. Um, he caught me through phone records. And the night that he approached me with it, he had his bags packed and was ready to go, and I begged him not to. I mean, I just, I, I tried to deny it. Um, it was just, it was terrible. It was a terrible night. We go to bed, and we wake up. He ended up staying at the house with me. We wake up the next morning, and our roles and how we were feeling were completely flip-flopped. So where he went to bed, just like, I'm, I can't believe this is happening. I'm done. I'm, I'm about, I'm, I'm leaving you. He woke up, like, with determination, whatever I have to do to save our marriage, I'm doing it. And I woke up with, the night before, again, begging him to stay, I woke up with feeling like a burden had been released and thinking to myself, 
it's all out now. So I can just be me. This is who I am. Wow. I don't want to be married to you anymore. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so let's backtrack just a little bit to the the events leading up. Mm-hmm. So you said you had got on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy started mm-hmm. messaging you, and that's kind of where it started. Yeah. So, And I, I do think it's important for a lot of people to understand this was over time, and mm-hmm. it was – you were invested. Right. I mean, it, it wasn't this, like, one-night thing. You yeah. know, I, and I, th- I think I, I think a lot of people kind of – confuse that mm-hmm. like oh it was a it was a one night stand yeah and that was it when it's so much deeper than that most of the time yeah would you agree yeah with that yeah um so so when y'all started messaging and that was kind of the start of it like what um what were the the parameters of it from mm-hmm. from there was it emotional physical like mm-hmm. kind of kind of what what was it mm-hmm. yeah so in the beginning when the messages were just starting um Honestly, it was just, I liked the attention. I just liked the attention. And, you know, Bo has always told me, even through all of this, that, you know, I'm beautiful. He loves me. Like, it wasn't that he wasn't giving me the emotional or the physical. Let me rephrase that. It wasn't that he wasn't giving me the physical needs that I wanted. I think that emotionally I had already started building these walls with Bo. And so I allowed myself to accept compliments and um, admiration from other people outside within the walls of our marriage, which is a very unhealthy place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so the first month or so of, of our communicating through Facebook – was really kind of just, it was just messaging. Um, and then that led up to meeting and then that eventually led to a physical affair. Mm. So, so I guess you could say it went from emotional, a very short emotional affair to, um, a full blown physical affair. Mm -hmm. And so you said the night that he approached you with it was terrible, Mm -hmm. a terrible night. So, uh, I mean, what, what was that like when he came to you? with that it was shocking I mean that sounds like so little of a word to use but there's really no other word that I can I can think of um I was completely shocked um I thought that I was the best liar in the world Mm -hmm. and that in my mind I guess I thought that either a I could just keep this up for the rest of my life or b I would just end it whenever I wanted to. Like, I would have the power within me to be mm. like, okay, we're done. Moving on kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so when he approached me with it, I mean, my first reaction was denial. Mm. You know, I, I told him. I mean, I screamed like, no, you know, this isn't – I promise you this – I did not do this. I just – I mean, just over and over and over um, until I just – it was obvious. Like I had to come clean. It was, I was really, I mean, I was forced to, but it was like, okay, I'm caught. Yeah. (laughs) There's no denying the evidence. Like literally you have evidence in front of me. Like there's no denying that. Yeah. Was your faith ever for you personally was, did you ever question God or your faith? But for you, because I mean, you had been super involved in church and I, when did you give your life to the Lord? Um, at 13. 
So, I mean, yeah, you had been walking with the Lord for yeah. a while. Mm-hmm. Did that ever, was that ever like a question in your mind of like, do I really believe this? Do I really believe God's real and he's good and he wants good mm-hmm. for me? Like, mm-hmm. um, I don't remember it, me ever questioning it. And I think it was because I intentionally blocked my faith out of my mind. Do you know what I mean? Um, like I knew from the beginning, this is me. Like I never blamed anything that I did or anything that Bo did on God. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So anything that anything bad or stupid decisions that we made or whatever, it was never I never we never put the blame on God because we took full responsibility for what we were doing. Oh wow. And I kind of even even through all of my sin in that year of the affair, I mean, I just I just owned it. Like mm. I just was like this is this is what I want to do. This is it makes me happy, and I'm just not gonna I'm not gonna think about anything else. And so yeah. I very intentionally did not think about church. Like it was very few times that we went to church, and when we did, I was very disengaged. I just didn't allow myself to be engaged. I didn't allow myself to um, foster any healthy relationship even previous relationships with friends that I knew like love the Lord um if I felt like having a conversation with them would convict me I just didn't have a conversation with them so I was was, very intentional about "Mm -mm, I'm gonna do me and I want to do me and that's that's what you got (laughs) yeah so it was like a void very much yes yes Okay. okay so your husband approaches you um, you said you initially started with denial, and then it was kind of like, all right, there's no denying it. So um, you said he had his bags packed that mm-hmm. night. And so what what was the deciding factor for him to stay? Like, what made him? I have no idea. Hmm. I mean, truly, it was it had to be the Lord. I mean, when I tell you I begged him, like, I was crying, screaming on my knees, begging him not to leave mm-hmm. because I was just in shock. Yeah. You know? Because, again, I didn't come out with this. I was caught. And so all of these emotions just came up. It was like a volcano erupted. Mm. Um, and I didn't know what I wanted at the time. Like, I, I didn't I didn't process through anything. I didn't have time to think. You know, like, I knew nothing mm-hmm. other than I'm freaking out right now. And you're the only one that's here with me. So please don't leave me. Yeah. So he stayed, and then you said the next morning y'all had kind of flip-flop. Mm-hmm. So Bo was very much like, hey, whatever I have to do to make this work. Mm-hmm. And then you were kind of checked out. Yeah. You were like, I don't know that I want to make this work. Yeah. What were those conversations like? Yeah. Um, they were pretty straightforward. So I don't know that I – no, let me say this. Um. I didn't realize how mean of a person I could be. I was I was mean to him. I was really mean to him. Um, from that day forward until I decided that I wanted to try to save our marriage, I was purposely mean to him because I wasn't willing to leave the marriage selfishly because I... I didn't want to be with him, but I didn't want to be the one to leave because then it would be on me. So what I did was I was really mean to him. I was very honest, very blunt, hoping that he would reject me and leave. Wow. So 
once I felt again, like this burden was lifted, like, oh, I don't have to, I don't have to live in this lie anymore. I can just be who, be me, you know, Mm -hmm. if you will. Um, I was just straightforward with him. So when he would ask me questions, I was just honest Mm -hmm. and like brutally honest. I mean, like rudely and very mean to him. So our conversations were super direct. Um, he, that morning, so the church that we were at had just hired a new pastor and we had not yet met him. And Bo was like, I'm making, I'm calling the art, the, the church office and I'm making an appointment for us to sit down with this new pastor because, um, we need counseling. And I was like, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going with him. For some reason, I remember this was on a Wednesday morning. And that was the first time that we met this new pastor of our church um, was with this crisis. Um, and it's, it's, it's so crazy looking back now because once we moved back from Panama and probably two years after that when we were doing really well, um, that pastor ended up leaving, <clears throat> resigning from the ministry. <clears throat> Excuse me. And our story was one of his like top 10 miracles that he experienced. Wow. And so, because I mean, he, he'll tell you like the way we were when we showed up in his office that morning was like, I mean, it would have to be God because this wow. isn't going to work. Like it's not going to work. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> Yeah, it was a true miracle. It was a true miracle. And how long were y'all in counseling? So he advised us even that day that we needed to seek a professional counselor. Um, he was very he did marriage ministry for years before he was just a pastor. And so he was he still counseled us through this as our pastor, but I so appreciate the fact that he recommended that we seek a professional counselor outside of the church. Um, and so we met with a professional counselor alongside with um, just having his pastoral counseling for us, mm-hmm. walking through everything. Um, even months and years afterwards, he was still helping us through through things, um, which was so wonderful. Yeah. So wonderful. So when y'all were in counseling, when you sought a professional counselor and y'all were in, what were those counseling sessions like? Because you said y'all's communication was, mm-hmm. I mean, pretty much non-existent. Yeah. So what was that like? Yeah. So we started, our first session <laughs> was, again, I was honest. I mean, I was, I was very honest when he would ask me questions about, you know, wanting to be in the marriage or wanting to be married, whatever it was. I mean, I was just like, no, I don't, I don't want to. So after that initial first session, he advised that we meet separately because he said, how did he say it? He said something along the lines of you can't pull, you can't pull a two horse wagon with one horse. And that's what's going on right now. Like she's got to want to be here or this isn't going to work. You're wasting not only my time, but your time. There's no point. So we split up um, and I went to, he had a female counselor in his, in his practice. And 
Um, Bo continued to see him until I pretty much decided like I was willing to give it a shot. And then mm-hmm. we kind of, we went back together and counseled as a couple. And that time individually was probably maybe a month. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. which even the fact that we were able to see him because he was one of the best Christian counselors in town and he was not supposed to have an opening for another five weeks whenever Bo called and they just so happened to have, he had a cancellation the next day. And so we were able to get in, um, which was such a God thing because had we waited five weeks, I don't know that we would have been together. When we started counseling, we met with our professional counselor a few days into um, our crisis kind of coming out and being, you know, me being caught. Well, Bo just overnight just dedicated himself to the Lord. I mean, just like realized the life that we were living was not pleasing to God and knew like if there was any hope, it had to be God. And so when I tell you he made a 360, like overnight, just started praying and just seeking God and was led to fast because, because I was just like, again, I was done. Right. Um, and so he actually fasted for seven days with only water for seven days. I had no idea. He didn't tell me he was doing this. No idea. Wow. And, and funny enough as it is, I would notice when he would be praying, like it was like every time I'd come home, he was praying and it would make me so mad. Mm. Like the more he fell in, like the more he grew closer to the Lord, the angrier I got because I was like, this is not you. What are you doing? You know, like, wow. like it's not fair. Like, don't try to be better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't helping my situation. I want you to leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But he would, he would just, he would just seek God. I mean, wow. cause you know, you, he talks about it now and it's like, what else did I, I had no other option. So he fasted for seven days again. I did not know that he was doing that. In that, within that week, we had gone on a trip to visit some um, some friends of ours that were pastors in Arkansas because Bo was like, we have like he was just willing to reach out to anyone who would just talk to us. Mm-hmm. On that trip back, that night I told him I was like, I need to go, I need to go see Pastor Exley. That was our our pastor at the time. So I drove to his house and at this point I still wasn't, I mean, cause again, this was just a couple weeks into everything coming out. I still was not at a place where I was like, okay, I'm willing to work, but I was hesitant. I really, it was the first day that I even allowed myself to consider what if. I tried to make this work. So I just, I got to his house, him and his wife were there and I just shared that with him. And I just remember I I sat in a chair in his office, him and his wife were there and they just loved on me unconditionally. And he asked me, he said, Maureen, do you want to be married to Bo? And I said, no, I don't. And he said, let me ask you this. Do you want 
to want to be married to Bo. And I kind of thought about that. And it was a question I hadn't asked myself. And I told him, I think so. I don't want to, but if I could want to want to, yeah, I think so. And so he prayed that over me that night. Like, God, she doesn't want it, but she wants to want it. And it was just the most transparent, real prayer that I had ever experienced. And I wasn't the one praying it, but he was praying it over me. And I had never experienced that before. And so looking back now at that time that that happened, because that was the first moment that I really thought to myself, huh, God really, I think he really loves me. I think that there could be something here. I don't know. Like, I'm I'm not willing to sever this relationship still, this affair, but this could be something. And looking back now, I saw that that timing of that moment that I had with God and that Bo was fasting during that time. I mean, that was Holy Spirit divine. Like, wow. there's no... You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. there's just no questioning that. Yeah. Um, and so I'm so thankful when I when I think back of the order of events that everything happens coming out of this. I'm so thankful that Bo fought spiritually for us because he told me later, like. I had to come to a place where I was okay with the fact that we may not be married. And so I had to fight for your soul because it wasn't our marriage that was at stake. It was your soul. And that's what he fasted for. And I'm so thankful that he did because he put on every weapon of armor that the Bible talks about and fought the hardest fight he ever could. And he'll tell you, he's he's said this before, Bo, that I'm not that good of a guy. So it was the Lord. Like, I don't have it within me to love someone like that. It had to be the Lord. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So what was the, uh, when did you come to the point with this other relationship where, where you severed Mm -hmm. it and you were done? Yeah. What did that look like? Man. So I had actually quote ended it multiple times, like gone to him, said, this, this is our last time, and it wasn't. Because this relationship, the best way for me to explain it was it was like an addiction. I was addicted to this relationship. Anytime we communicated, anytime we were together, it was like I was feeding a high. And as soon as I felt like I, I got that high and I would go back home, I would need it. I would crave it again. And so that's kind of where the move to Panama came in because I knew, and it's not going to, it's not like this for everyone, but for me, I knew that I didn't physically have it within me to just sever the relationship. And so I had the thought of what if we just moved? Because by this point I was like, willing to try to make it work in the marriage. And I was, I was going to counseling, you know, I wasn't as mean as I was the month before. Um, but I still had not ended the affair. And 
yeah. So I just was like, what if we moved? And, and I presented that to Bo and he was like, yeah. Like, I mean, he was willing to do anything. Yeah. Um, and so that's when that whole idea of moving to Panama came, came about. So that was at the beginning of July. It was not until August that I completely severed the relationship. Um, what I ended up doing, it's actually kind of funny to me to think about it. So over that summer, because obviously, I mean, the way I got caught was through my phone, right? Mm-hmm. So I knew I could never use my phone to communicate with him. So I had gone to Walmart and got me one of those Go phones. And oh. I was just buying my minutes <laughs> so that I had a way to communicate. Wow. Yeah. Right? Oh, wow. That's why I say addiction. You had a burner Come phone. Come on. I had a burner phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. And, so and, and Bo didn't know. No. I'm assuming. Oh, okay. no. I hid that girl. I'm telling you. I was like liar 101. Like, yeah. <laughs> I hid it. Wow. So I had this phone, and that's how I was communicating with him. And so in August, and I just remember one day I was at home, I had prayed, which is kind of like similar to what I mentioned earlier about having to relearn how to love Bo. I had to relearn how to love the Lord Mm -hmm. because I had allowed myself to be so distant. I mean, I intentionally did not let God in. And so I had to take baby steps in being okay with, okay, I'll pray. Okay, I'll go to church. Okay, I'll do this, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it didn't come all at once. It was very hard for me because I had to make the choice. It wasn't like this amazing emotional experience that I had on a Sunday morning. Like, it was nothing like that. It was Mm -hmm. very intentional, very like, I had to make the decision. I did not feel like praying. I had to make the decision to pray. I did not feel like going to church. I had to make the decision to go to church. Like, I never felt like doing any of it, but Mm -hmm. I did it because I knew I needed to be obedient. I knew if I was going to actually say I was working on this marriage, like I had to try. So one day I was in my car. Um, I think I had just pulled up to the house. I was by myself and I was listening to a worship song. I don't even remember what it was. And I just remember like having this sudden feeling of strength like in this moment I just like I knew I had to be in this marriage like I knew I had to fight and it was just out of nowhere like I'm telling you just out of nowhere and in that moment of strength I just went and grabbed that burner phone and hammered it Like, I literally grabbed a hammer from the garage and smashed it to pieces. What? Without any goodbye, without any, like, he was expecting me to call him that day. I mean, no tech, nothing. And I hammered the phone and I threw it away. And that was, that was the end of it. That was it. That was it. Wow. And, and I remember even immediately after that, like, I just wept because Mm. I, I, even five minutes after that, I was like, I couldn't imagine that I had the strength to even do that. I was not ready to sever that relationship. Mm. And it was totally God. Yeah. It was totally God. Did you feel 
like sadness. I mean, oh yeah. Cuz that was a loss. It was a huge loss for me. Yeah. Yeah. And what so when you felt sadness, I mean, did you did you feel guilt for feeling sadness or I did not feel guilt until over a year later. Wow. My guilt did not come until we were getting ready to move back from Panama. That is how long it took for my heart to soften. It was a process. Yeah. It was a huge process for me because, again, it was just a daily choice every day. Most of the time, I did not feel like it. Most of the time, I mean, Bo would have to ask me if it was okay for him to hug me, like when he was leaving for work, because I didn't want him to touch me. I didn't want him to kiss me. I didn't want to lay in bed with him. Like, everything was just so foreign. And he did it. And he did it. Wow. So a year later when you said you that's when you first like felt guilt. Mm-hmm. Do you do you remember if there was something that led to that? Like what I, or or was it just a overtime? It was just an over yeah, it was just an overtime. I don't remember the exact moment, but I remember thinking this is the first time that I regret like I feel the consequences of the regret mm-hmm. of of the decision that I made. Mm-hmm. I feel I felt terrible for the choices that I made. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it was it was a long time after that. And and so your boys, I mean they were 2 and 3 mm-hmm. during this time. Mm-hmm. That's a lot to handle mm-hmm. it, on its own. So like what I mean as far as like the parenting aspect goes, what was that like? <laughs> I'm so thankful that they were that young because they they didn't know. Yeah. They they really had no idea. Um thankfully we lived close to our parents and both of our parents would help with the boys during this like especially during that first month where it was just And did y'all's parents knew? Did yeah. Tell them? Okay. Yeah, they did. Um we ended up, well, his parents found out because he told them, and then I told my mom um, and dad later. And, um, yeah, but so, so incredibly thankful that they were, the boys were so young um, because they didn't, they didn't feel the heaviness and the burden of us fighting or whatever, you know, a lot of other families have to deal with and walking through something like that. They, they didn't. I'm so mm-hmm. thankful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so now, you know, 10 years later, I mean, from what I see, and I've, what, how long have I known you? F- four years? Mm-hmm. Five, four, something yeah. like that? Um, and just from what I know of you and Bo now, I mean, y'all are like inseparable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even when he talks about you to other people, yeah, I mean, he refers to you like, my lady. Yeah. Like he doesn't call you like, oh, my woman or like my, it's yeah. always in respect. It's yeah. like, well, my lady or like, let me, let me talk to my lady, you know, or l- things like that. And so ha- it's just so cool to see y'all are so tight knit now. Mm-hmm. And what were some things that, you know, I, I mean, I know obviously y'all went to counseling and yeah that process of, of you just kind of making a daily choice and things like that. But now 10 years down the road, mm-hmm. what are some things that y'all still do now to make sure 
mm-hmm. y'all are good. Yeah. You know. Well, I do want to say that from day one of all of this coming out and us walking through this crisis till now, 10 years later, Bo has never once held my actions against me. Anytime we, and we argued, I mean, like, we learned how to communicate, girl, and we communicated. (laughs) It's funny because we literally had to, like, like, our counselor made us do skills, like, communication skills at home, like... It was the oh, most boring. <laughs> yes, yes. But it worked. It worked. Um, but even even in that first month where emotions were so crazy high, he never, never once used my actions against him or against me. He's never thrown my decisions in my face. He's never used it as a weapon against me. And because of that, he leveraged my healing process and our healing process really Mm. because had he ever had he ever used anything against against us against me I mean as much as I deserved it I would have been done like Mm. I would have easily said you know what that's fine I'm out yeah and he didn't to this day he's never done that and that's the Lord I mean it's just So I, th- I truly f- believe that that's one of the, one of the crucial aspects that has helped us to, not only walk through it and 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 process through that healing, um, but even to this day, ten years later, you know, I mean, because we both we still live in the same town that it happened in, mm-hmm. and so you know there can be there can be places we drive by, people we see, um, a song we hear on the radio. I mean, things trigger, yeah. um, you know, your past experiences. And to this day, he still hasn't, he's just never used it as a weapon against me. And, and, and I, I 100% believe that that was probably the most important thing mm-hmm. that has helped us, um, walk through this healing process together. Yeah. Did you have a moment where you like physically asked him for forgiveness? Yes. So, or verbally, I guess I should say, yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. like where you said to him, I need you to forgive me or I'm sorry or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so that was early on. That was in counseling. Um, Actually, it was like homework that we had. Um, we wrote letters to each other and read them out loud to one another. Oh, um, and wow. that was the per- that was the first first time I did ask him for forgiveness. And I, I, I remember asking him, and also kind of because it was so early at the time at that time that I still was kind of like. You know, I still had a foot in and a foot out. Mm-hmm. I like to use, I've used this illustration before. I like to think of it as if you're trying to hold down a beach ball in the water with both hands. Like if the beach ball was my, my affair or my sin, I wanted to surrender, but I still had to hold that beach ball down. So 
what those first few months of me like kind of teeter-tottering not really knowing like what I want do I want to be in the marriage do I want to have stay in this affair like I had one hand up for my marriage but I knew if I lifted both hands and let that beach ball go I had to surrender that that relationship and I wasn't ready for it and so whenever I asked him in that letter I still was trying to hold on to that beach ball right um so when we were in Panama, fast forward, when we were in Panama, we decided to renew our vows. And um, we wrote vows to each other. And in that, I did the same thing. I didn't ask him for forgiveness in our vows, but I thanked him for giving me forgiveness wow. as a gift. Mm-hmm. Um, it was beautiful. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So... What are some things 10 years later now that y'all do to make sure that your marriage is still communication strong, mm-hmm. relationship is strong, mm-hmm. all that? Yeah. So date nights is definitely priority. We try to have a date night at least twice a month. Um, it depends on the season of life we're in. You know, like right now having the new business, our, I mean, we both, I mean, you know, he's traveling a ton right now. And my Monday through Friday is like, by the time I get home from the gym in the afternoons, I'm pooped. Mm -hmm. Um, So right now it's like twice a month. We're doing good. So date nights is definitely high on there. Um, And we have some parameters with our date nights. Like we typically try not to discuss business. We try to talk about each other, Mm -hmm. um, what we're interested in, what we want to do. Sometimes we'll even have, like, fun questions. We've done that in the past. Like, let's talk about goals when we go out. Or, like, we'll even talk about what we're going to talk about before we go out. So we yeah. can kind of, like, think about it. And, you know, um, we dream a lot in, on our date nights. We talk about places we want to visit. And so it's we try to do our best to try to keep it fun and exciting to where it's not, like, it's so easy in any relationship. I mean, especially your marriage when you – just kind of get into the habit of doing the same thing ritually over and over. Mm-hmm. And then, and that's, that's, in my opinion, can be unhealthy for a marriage because then you want something new and exciting. And if you're not finding it with your spouse, then there's potential for you to look elsewhere. So it's so important to be intentional about keeping that relationship fun and exciting. And that's one way that we do it is to talk about things that, that we would want to talk about with our best friend. Right. Like mm-hmm. if I'm if I'm so excited to talk about something with my best girlfriend, I should be that much, if not more excited to talk about it with Bo. And so I try we try to think of topics that excite us. And and in doing that, we end up discussing things that are so precious and valuable to each other that we won't that we wouldn't talk about with other people. And that makes it special. And so all that to say date nights are important. Um, one gift and one 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 lesson that we have learned too in all of this is is the priority of accountability um kind of going a little bit back because my affair originally started with facebook at the time we had separate facebook accounts when all this happened and then um, before i we moved to panama i ended up deactivating my account and, um, no, I didn't deactivate it. I just wasn't very active on it. Um, when we moved back to Pan- from Panama, I remember thinking, I want to 
I want to give Bo comfort in knowing that he doesn't have to wonder if this could happen again or anything regarding social media at the time. And so without asking him, he never asked me to do this. I created a Facebook account where it was joint him and I, and then ended up deactivating my account. Um, and he ended up just not using his personal one. And I just remember like how proud I was to be able to do that. you know, like, because for all that whole year before and the year of me having that, the affair, like everything was so secretive and, you know, my phone was always attached to me and, um, no one could have my passwords and just everything was so secretive. And so the burden of being lifted, of not having to hide anything felt so freeing. Um, and, and I just wanted to give that gift to him of, of, of him knowing like, you don't have to worry about this anymore. Like, this is my gift to you. Like, see where we came from. And now, like, let's use, let's use what was used for evil to be for good. Mm. And, um, and so we've, we've had that same shared account since then. But in that talking about accountability, um, we really just try to be accountable to each other, um, in little things. Like if, if I'm heading out to the grocery store or whatever, like I just give him a heads up, like, Hey babe, I'm, I'm going to run to target or, or whatever. Again, he's never asked me to do that. It's just a gift that I want to give him to give him comfort and him knowing like I'm doing what I, what I said I'm going to do. Um, and it's just a habit that I think we put in place in the restoration of, of our marriage and the healing process of our marriage. That's something that we just continue to practice today. Mm -hmm. So we do it still not because we're worried that one of us is not going to do what they said they were, would do, but it's just Mm -hmm. a habit that we put in place that, um, protects our marriage. Yeah. And what was the, I'm backtracking a little bit back to when all this came out in the open Mm -hmm. and you said, you know, your family's new, um, what was that like with his family? Mm-hmm. Like, did you ever f- feel with your in-laws? And I, and I personally know Bo's sister. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and she is fiercely loyal. Yeah. And fiercely protective of yes. her people. Um, so what, what was that dynamic? Cause you know, when they say you get married, you marry the family. That's so right. I'm like, you know, and a, a lot of times it's easier to have those hard conversations or with our own parents or yeah. our own siblings. Yeah. So what was that like with his family? Yeah, man, it was another experience for me of unconditional love because I had hurt their little boy, mm-hmm. their only boy. Mm-hmm. And um, his mom, his dad, and his sister all loved me through it. And I... I don't know how mm-hmm. other than it was the Lord, you know, they, they're all Christians. They all, they all love the Lord. And, um, and I can only imagine the emotions that they were dealing with at the time. Um, but even from the first week of us coming out of it, when Bo told them that he wanted to fight for it, they fought along with him and they prayed for mm. us. They prayed for me 
Um, I know they fought that spiritual warfare alongside with Bo that I'm forever grateful for. And so I'm so blessed in that aspect that they also um, never used my wrongs against me. And, um, man, I'm so thankful for that. Mm. I mean, Bo is, is the man that he is because of his parents. And so as much as he fought for me, they fought for me also. Um, what are some ways that y'all communicate, um, you know, so you don't, like you said, way early on in y'all's marriage, you had kind of harbored feelings of just bitterness and anger kind of about life. And Mm -hmm. then that turned into towards each other and all that stuff. But, Mm -hmm. um, so what are some ways that y'all communicate now to where there's none of that shoving and Mm -hmm. (laughs) stuffing feelings or anything? Yeah. Now, thank, thank God it's just kind of become normal. You know, what, what's normal now certainly wasn't normal 10 years ago. Um, we, one of the, one of the tools that, uh, we learned in counseling was the pin tools, what we called it or the pin game. And so we would have to stand back to back and one person had the pin. And if you were the one holding the pin, you could talk and the other person had to listen. And so as, as dumb as we felt doing that, it worked. <laughs> it worked. And we had to use that to talk about deep conversations. And we only did it one time using the pen because, I mean, it was it felt silly. But it, it truly taught us how to speak and how to listen to each other. Because once I had my, my voice of, you know, this is this is me. This is who I am. Blah, 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 whatever. Um, I just wanted to attack with my words, and I wasn't listening. And so that taught us how to communicate, like literally how to communicate, how to speak to one another, how to listen to one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and doing it one time kind of showed us how we were doing it wrong all those times before. And so we didn't have to hold the pin anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were able to we were able to talk about our right. stuff. Um, but I think that there's just now 10 years later <clears throat> there's we we do have arguments. We do have disagreements. And we know now because of what we experienced previously that if we don't talk about them, they're just going to har- I mean, no, I don't think it would end up to an affair. But it would harbor bitterness. It would harbor anger. It would harbor whatever the emotion is that we were dealing with. And so we just know from experience, okay, if we don't talk about this, it's going to get shoved under the rug and it's just going to escalate. It's just going to escalate. So why even allow it the opportunity to do that when we can just deal with it now? And if one of us feels like the other is not communicating that they're upset, because there are times where I can tell he's upset. And he, and I'll ask him, Hey, what's going on? I'm good. And it's like little phrases like that. And, and you know, like, you're not good. (laughs) You don't say I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so we'll point it out and we'll say, listen, we don't have to talk about it now, but maybe like in a couple hours or something, let's revisit that. Um, and we'll do that. So sometimes Mm -hmm. we know we've learned, like, I'm a processor. Sometimes I need time to process before I'm ready to talk about it. And he allows me that, Mm -hmm. um, and so we've we've learned through practice and communication how we each communicate best with each other, um, and we respect the way that each of us communicates because I don't he can process 
in a, in an instant and I don't work like that mm-hmm. and we respect that about each other and so we don't get upset with each other knowing that we're going to communicate differently and that's okay we just need to figure out how that works best for both of us mm-hmm. have y'all like discovered each other's love languages and stuff we have yes and, and what are y'all so Bo is is physical touch I'm quality time mm. yeah same. Like, yeah. <laughs> exact same. I'm quality time. Yeah. Philip's physical touch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So how do y'all, um, you know, you said with communication, you respect how yeah. the other one communicates. Yeah. So with love languages, how do y'all respect and also give uh-huh. that love language when it may not be yours? Yeah. How we, do you navigate that? So we just, we've, we've discussed this several times in the past. Um, and we just came to an agreement that we have to be willing to sacrifice how we feel and fulfill each other's needs. So like Bo loves to hold hands when we're walking. He loves to have his arm around me. Um, I'm not always like, I'm like, okay, but the walk is throwing me off. Like my balance right. is not <laughs> like, that's my thinking. It's like a you know three-legged I mean? race. It's, it's not like... that I don't want you to touch me. It's like, this is like, yeah. Like, yeah. okay, now we have to be in sync. Let's we go. Have to Left, sync up. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, it's a lot of work. Yes, but hey, that's what he wants, and mm-hmm. so I just do it. Yeah, I just do it. I hold his hand, and mm-hmm. so I can totally relate. And the same for him. Like date nights, I can get so frustrated. And this used to be, man, this used to be a hot topic with us. Is like, like we're going on a, we're planning a date night, but I'm planning the date night. You're not planning the date night. Oh, uh, preach. <laughs> And that would drive me crazy, but I could never pinpoint why it frustrated me so much. And it's because quality time is my love language. And so you planning or him planning it for me is fulfilling that desire of quality time for me. Mm -hmm. Yes, the actual date is important, but it's like knowing that you put your time and effort into fulfilling this need for me speaks volumes. And so we talked about that. Um, and so he knows, and now we kind of like switch it up. Like we've kind of learned what works for us. Um, Mm -hmm. because I love to go to the movies and he could not see movie for five years and be totally fine, (laughs) but I could go every weekend. Yeah. And so we kind of like, we kind of just alternate like, okay, this date night we went to a movie and we went where I wanted to eat. Where do you want to go next time? What do you want to do? And so we just kind of like try to alternate that. And Mm -hmm. so we each feel like we have fulfillment in, in that. Yeah. We'll even put it on calendars. Like, I will tell him, okay, put on your calendar, like, plan date night. <laughs> like, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what I need to do. Yes. Although I don't think Philip keeps a calendar, so I'll have to figure out Google, a way to... Google calendar. Yeah. It'll just pop up on his phone. <laughs> I'll be like, she's here. And you could even say, this is Siri, plan a date night for Leanne. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to do that. Okay, so as we transition out and kind of wrap up your story... One of my biggest questions for you is now that you and Bo are on the other side of this crisis 10 years later, and now your marriage stands in redemption and restoration and victory, when you reflect back on this crisis, what are some things, what what are your biggest takeaways that you have just really held on to in your heart? Um, you know, that as y'all have healed and, and y'all are moving forward and, and really minister to other people who are in the same situation, um, what are, what are the things that you've just really taken to heart that you've walked away with? 
one thing that Bo was so good at, and I know was so hard for him walking through this, was he gave me undeserving trust. And he allowed, I don't want to say this, he allowed for trust to grow with me. Um, for example, because for so many months, I would say I was going somewhere and I was just going to meet this other guy and to be with him, right? Mm. And so in me trying to earn back that trust from him, in order for him to learn to trust me, he had to give me some leeway, right? Mm. And so there was months of me saying, hey, I'm going to the grocery store or I'm going to see my mom or whatever the case might be, me going and coming back, checking in with him, whatever, um, doing little things like that grew that trust. But it never would have happened had he not given me the small amount, the little leeway that he did just to start. And so I'm so thankful for him for doing that because without that, I think I hear so many times in other relationships that are going through similar situations that the spouse that was hurt um, says like, how do I, how do I trust this person again? And the truth is you have to give undeserving trust in order for it to, to, um, what's the word I'm looking for? To grow. In order for your trust to grow, you have to give some undeserving trust. Um, and so I, I really want to highlight that because that was crucial to um, to us learning to trust each other and how that looked and also, I believe, crucial to our healing process mm-hmm. for sure. When I think about – and this is, this is parts of what helped me to fall in love with him again because I, I would say that, like, I'm not in love with him anymore. Like, how do – I could not even imagine loving him. It was foreign to me because I allowed myself to not, you know, like – your, the relationship that grows is going to be the one that you water. And I didn't, I was not watering my marriage. I was watering this other relationship. And so I had to, as crazy as it sounds, I had to teach myself to love him. And that was one of the things that helped me through that was to see what he did for me through those times. Like to go back and see that he fought for me. He forgave the other man. I found, he didn't know this at the time, but I had, I, I looked in his phone and there were text messages and he told the guy that I was having an affair with, I forgive you. And I just remember reading that and I was like, what? Like, what is going on? But seeing all the things that he did for me helped me to step out of my perspective and my selfishness and see, like, that's unconditional love. He has no reason to choose to love me right now. Every day he chose to love me and he had no reason to. He had every reason to leave. Every reason. And he didn't. And being able to go back and see that 
helped me to love him so much more. It gave me such a love and respect for him that I'm so grateful to, to, to this day. I mean, I'm telling you to this day, there's not a, I can say this with all sincerity, there is never to this day from that time in my life that I have not been in a worship experience at church, in my car, wherever it is, and I don't think about what God has done in our marriage. What happened in our marriage is a miracle. And I think that we we so often think of miracles as instantaneous things that happen instantly. And more often than not, miracles are a process. And I think especially in the in the age that we live in that we we just want such a quick fix for everything. Um that if there is someone walking through something similar, like if you could just fully understand that it is a process, it is likely not going to happen overnight, that everything's going to be, you know, however you want it to be, more than likely it's going to be a process. And, um, and actually our story in comparison to so many others that I know of, um, was really fast. Like how we, came out or I got caught up to when we moved to Panama. I mean, by the time we moved to Panama, like I was, I was definitely all in and that was, I don't know, seven months. We moved to Panama in January and I got caught in in May. So that was a pretty short time. Um, but just, it's so important to know, like, it's such a process. It's such a process. And in that process, it's every day making the decision to be obedient and what you say, and what you do, and what you don't do, when you don't feel like it. That was the biggest thing for me, was early on, I did not feel like hugging him. I did not feel like going to church. I didn't feel like praying. I didn't feel any of that, but I did it. And yes, it may have taken weeks or months for some of it to, to really get into my soul, um, or into my mind and, um, but it did, it did. It was just consistency of making those daily decisions of being obedient Mm -hmm. and the Lord honored that he blessed it. Yeah, I agree. And so what, what's some, I don't know, advice. I don't know if that's wisdom, maybe some wisdom that you would give to a woman who's in the middle of this right now mm-hmm. or maybe coming out of it um, at the process, it being a process mm-hmm. I think is really good because yeah. we do, especially when we're in pain. Yeah. Lord, especially when we're in pain, we want that quick, mm-hmm. you know, like, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. Just fix it. Yeah. And you know, and it is a process. Um, but you know, for, for a woman who might be listening or, or, you know, maybe eventually down the road listens or yeah. something. Um, I don't know. What's something you would tell her? Yeah. The Lord actually spoke something to Bo and I um, early on in in our crisis. Um, and he said this. He said, if you do the difficult, God will do the impossible. And I, for me, that just ties right into that daily, daily obedience if you make those difficult decisions every day, 
every day, God will do the impossible. He will. He's promised it. It's there. You may not feel it or see it right away, but five, ten years from now, you're going to look back and you're going you're gonna to be so thankful that you were obedient. Mm-hmm. So thankful. So I would say that. I would, I would point out for sure that miracles are a process more often than not. And also that if you would do the difficult, God will do the impossible. Yeah. That's amazing. I love that. Don't you have that tattooed on you? I sure do. (laughs) I sure do. Right here. That's my first tattoo. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, we didn't mention that. All my tattoos. Oh, oh yeah. All your tattoos. Okay, we'll talk about that in a second. Right now I have some fun questions for you. So first one, what are three things you do every day? Okay, I was thinking about this. So... Okay, for every day for me is like Monday through Saturday because Sunday I really try to make like an intentional rest day. Like, so yeah. I try not to do anything. <laughs> okay. So Monday through Saturday, I would, I definitely, I do CrossFit. That, yeah. That's about an hour of my day. Um, like me working out, not coaching. Yeah. So that's one. Um, two would be, okay, at night I use... I made a lash booster. Can you tell? Do my lashes look longer? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I see those made fluttering. Like a, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I made like a um, like a DIY lash boost with essential oils. What? It's like yes, I'm telling you because I got like a year ago. I got those extensions. Yeah, and I hated them because I couldn't rub my eyes and. Oh. Then I had to keep going back. And then, like, the first set looked super full. But then, like, the refills were, like, such a waste of money. So, anyway, so I took him out. And I was like, I'm never going to have lashes again. (laughs) And so, anyways, I DIY'd um, Lash Boost. And, girl, it worked. Okay, so what's the concoction? So, so, okay, I don't remember the three oils. I have to give that to you. (laughs) If you have show notes, you can put it in there. Okay. Um, But it's three. I want to say it's rosemary. Um eucalyptus maybe and something else and i just ordered these like empty tubes from amazon they look like mascara tubes they're just empty mascara tubes and you put it's castor oil with the three oil essential oils Mm -hmm. and it's i mean it's just like putting on mascara so you just put it in the and it has a wand and so every night after i wash my face i just like just like mascara i put my lash boost on what that's it (laughs) That's it. How long have you been doing that? Since like December. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I curled them this morning, so they're probably not super curly, but they're definitely like, they're definitely longer than they you were before. You can tell the difference. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, That's yeah. That's incredible. I was like bald eyes before that. <laughs> naked. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Very naked. Okay. So you, you work out every day. Yes. Um, you boost your lashes. Yes. <laughs> which also... I mean, you are the DIY queen, so that makes sense that you would make your own lash boost <laughs> and uh, take that Latisse or whatever it's called. That's right. Um, okay, what's the third thing you do every day? Man, I'm trying to think of something really interesting. I mean, because my first thought is I have coffee every day. I mean, like I go to bed looking forward to breakfast and coffee. Like that is that is my favorite moment of my day. Mm. No kidding. Like breakfast and coffee, the experience of it is just 
That's yeah. my jam. I live for it. Mm, I can't relate. <laughs> you don't drink coffee? No, I do. Oh. But, I mean. Breakfast, not so much. Not so much. Yeah. Getting up early? Yeah. Not so much. I did not, I did not eat breakfast really until after I had Bexley. And as soon as I had him, like, I'm telling you, for 13 years now, when my feet hit the floor in the morning, I have to eat. Yes. Like, I am, like, my eyes open and I am ready to eat right away. (laughs) What time do you get up? Um, these days, if I'm not coaching 5 a.m., which is usually the case, thankfully, um, like six, between 6 and 6.30. Okay. Usually. So not, not super early. Okay. Yeah. If we coach 5 a.m., then it's like 3.45. Mm. Yeah. Stars. Yeah. It's early. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> um, okay. So work out, <laughs> boost your lashes, <laughs> drink coffee. I love that. Um, okay. What, what were my other ones? Uh, what books have you read in the past year that are, are really over your life? It doesn't have to be the past year. Okay. But that have influenced you or made an impact. And it doesn't have to be, it can, I mean, w- listen, we can talk Harry Potter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like any, yeah. any kind of genre of book. Okay. I have maybe three that really stand out. So mm-hmm. the first one is obvious for me, Chase the Lion by Mark Batterson. Have mm-hmm. you read it? I haven't. But I've heard so many good things about it that I I need to do it. Okay. Well, let me just say that was like the premise to my sleeve. Yes. So your full sleeve. <laughs> my full sleeve. Of tattoos <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. So it's about chasing your dreams. Um and um and and it mentions in there to have to when you chase God-sized dreams that you want to chase them with a pride, like a pride of lions. Mm-hmm. And so when I, I mean the, the book itself, just about chasing your dreams was just incredible. But then I, I related it also to um, my, our experience, obviously through our crisis. And I thought, okay, my pride of people are those ones that not only have encouraged us to chase all of our dreams, whether it was moving to Panama, um, starting a business, whatever, whatever. I mean, we've had some crazy out out there ideas, you know. Um, They've done that, and then they also walked through us or walked with me through our crisis season. Mm -hmm. Um, And so so my tattoo um, started with, um, a lioness and a lion that represents Bo and I. And then every, it was so funny because I was like, if I ever, which I, I wanted a sleeve since I was like 24. When I get a sleeve, so I, cool. <laughs> I'm never, I'm not going to get a floral one, you know, cause, and here I have flowers I, all over it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so I did the lions first to represent us. And then every person that I consider part of my pride, I let them pick the flower that their favorite flower, and that represents them. So every flower oh. represents a person that walked w- through, you know, with everything or through it all with us, and has also just like encouraged us and just backed us on our dreams. And um, yeah, so that's kind of where. So of that's course, incredible. my like favorite book is going to be Chase the Line because that's where. Yeah. I literally wear my heart on my sleeve. That's what I like to say. <laughs> yes, you do. Oh my gosh, no, for real. But really, but really, <laughs> that's cute and all. But really, I but just, really, it's true. <laughs> that's amazing. 
Okay, so Chase the Line was the first one. Chase the Line. Okay, so then there's another one, um, Chasing Excellence by Ben Bergeron. Never heard of it. Interesting that Chase is in both of those uh-huh. big titles. Uh-huh. So um, Ben is actually a CrossFit coach. <clears throat> um, he coaches some of the literally world's fittest athletes that have won the CrossFit Games, like worldwide games. Mm-hmm. Um, and his book is just, it's, it's phenomenal. It's, um, talks about leadership. It, um, just really talks about mindset and how we chase excellence and pursue virtuosity. We, um, in our gym, we like to say that virtuosity is doing the common uncommonly well. And so it's just a really challenging book in that aspect. Um, it really challenged me not only as a person, but as a business owner now, um, it's amazing. It's amazing. I try to gift it to people whenever I can too. Mm -hmm. Um, and then my third book that I would say I actually haven't read, I read like years ago, like before I had the boys, um, Redeeming Love by Francine Rivers, yeah. um, and which ironically is like kind of similar to my story now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but man, like I was not a reader back then, and I read that book in, like, three days. Oh, like, I could yeah. not put it down. Yeah. And I keep saying I want to read it again. I haven't yet. And um, I think I I think I'll borrow, let someone borrow it. But anyways, that was definitely, like, if I would go over my lifetime, like, that was definitely one of the most mm. amazing books I'd read. Yeah. That is a really not good Not recent, book. but amazing. Yeah. I haven't read that in a long time either, and I, I remember I couldn't put it down. I really want to so get good. into more fiction books. Like, I would love to have good fiction books at night, because I tend to be, like, I tend to just buy um, nonfiction, mm-hmm. you know, self-help, whatever, leadership stuff, business stuff, but I would love to, like, get into some really great fiction books. I mm-hmm. just, like, if it doesn't capture me in the first chapter, I'm over it. Yeah. You know, which... From what I understand, most fiction, like, you have to get through a few yeah. chapters before you, like, really get into it. Yeah. Or watch the movie. And or then do know, that. Yeah. And then read the book. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, yes, I I agree with you. I, um, I I don't do well with, like, uh, well, I don't, I don't want to say I don't do well. Self-help books and, like, leadership, it's hard to hold my attention. Yeah. I have to read it a few times. Yeah. But you put a good fiction book in my hand, and I'll read for two hours, and I'm really? like, oh, what time is it? Well, you're going to have to share with me your favorites. Yeah, well, I haven't read a time. But hey, the Harry Potter series is great. <laughs> Brooks is reading those right now. What he book loves is he on? them. I think three. He was on two last time okay. we talked. Yeah, I think three. So he's three. on three? Yeah. Love them. Yeah. They're so good. Um, okay, and then are you hooked on any TV shows right now? Oh, I forgot about that question. The last like series that I was super hooked on was Downton Abbey. And that was like when it was on TV (laughs) because we, at that time we were living in the camper, camper. which by the way, we lived in a camper for a year and we didn't have cable. We, we did have Netflix and Hulu, but anyways, like our Wi-Fi was kind of in and out. So, but we had, we had a TV in the camper and it had a satellite. And so I would always get PBS (laughs) and Sunday night girl. I was like, no one talk. Everyone go to your rooms. I'm watching Downton Abbey. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I love Downton Abbey. Your camper. Oh, I forgot about your camper for a minute. I love my camper. How was life in a camper? Oh, it was the best. I you loved it. it? It's so funny because <clears throat> we built a, a house and, um, a, I mean, a pretty large house. And the first... 
the first week we slept in it, like Bo and I just kind of looked at each other and we were like, we miss the camper. Like Aww. it's so fun. Even now we still miss it. Like we're so thankful and we love our home, but, um, life in the camper was fun. It was, it was a really good life. Fun. It was a good life. Do you remember that time we had dinner at no. your, um, y'all were building your house uh-huh. and Philip and I came over for bow grilled steaks. Yes. And we had Dolores and Coco. You had Dolores and Coco. Yes, those sweet little goats. Which your Dolores is oh living a high life. She is living her best life right now. Um, but anyway, and we ate in your big warehouse yes. shed. Yes, <laughs> our big dining room. It was the best. And you had just gotten all those chickens. Yes, because y'all were starting oh, your yes. farm. Yes, yes. And so all they were all in like little boxes with heating lamps. And yep, stuff. And yep. My chicks. Uh huh. Miss that. God rest their soul. <laughs> God rest all their furry souls. We've learned that we're not the best farmers, Leanne. <laughs> it's okay. We're going to stick to store-bought eggs. <laughs> but it was, so, it was a cool adventure. It was a good experience. Yeah. Lesson and learned. We've experienced it and we're moving on. <laughs> That's right. So. Um, okay, well, yeah. I, um, oh, no. I wanted you to talk about uh, what it's like to be a mom of... Teenage boys. Oh man. Well, one teenager. Oh, that's true. What? Okay, Brooks is about Brooks to be twelve. He, yeah, he'll be twelve in August. Okay, so a teen and a preteen. Yeah. Which, by the way, your teen isn't really a teen. He's like twenty four. So, like seriously though, what's that about? And he has been like that since he was three. Like mm-hmm. going into kindergarten, I remember like the teachers would tell me like funny stories about like I'll never forget. I dropped him off in Carline because um, we did homeschool the past five years, but the, his first three years he was in a private school. And I dropped him off at Car in Carline, um, and it, that day it was the headmaster's um, birthday, and so like the front of the school was all decorated and had banners and all this stuff. And I dropped him off, and later on that afternoon when I picked him up, his teacher came out to me and was like, "I have to tell you this that Bexley got out of the car and he." He looked around with like a puzzled look on his face and he said, excuse me, Miss Wyndham, but what is the celebration all about? <laughs> like, he's just always like he's asked, so, he's been so proper so, proper. so like, yes, yes. <laughs> I just, it's so funny. I like totally see him as like, you know, having his robe and he used to always just wear his robe and his house and his house slippers and, and pajama pants. Like we used to always call him Hugh Hefner because he's just... <laughs> You just need like a, a glass of wine and a cigar, and yeah. you know, at eight years old. Yeah. Well, now he wears that leather jacket and sunglasses. Oh man. Oh man. Now yeah. that's his thing. That's his. Thing. And that's been his thing for a hot minute. For a while. Like he outgrew his first leather jacket, and then I had to find another one. Yeah. yeah that was a task. Mm. Because he did not want to put that one up, and I mean, like it was like three quarter length by the time he's. I made him stop wearing it. <laughs> He's committed. He I is like it. committed. Um, um, do you love being a boy mom? I do. Is it fun? It's so fun. And we th- neither one of them were planned, whatever that means. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm so I'm so thankful that they're that close in age and that they're same gender. Um, it made it so easy when they were young being being that close. I definitely wasn't excited about it at first. Mm-hmm. But um, man, boys just love their mom. Like. Yeah. They're so fun. And they're so easy. I mean, I don't know any different. I don't have any girls. But from what I hear from friends that, um, yeah, it's a lot less drama. Yeah. I mean, we still have stuff. Like, 
we still have stuff, but mm. yeah, not so much hormones and all that fun. Yeah. And I, I, and I know I told you this, but, um, when I was helping with homeschooling with your boys the last few months, it would always blow my mind how they, how they would like get in an argument and it, it kind it would make me nervous sometimes because yeah. I'm like, oh gosh, are we about to get into like a fist fight? <laughs> Cause they, I mean, th- they, they heard nothing else. Yeah. But what the other one was yeah. saying. It didn't matter if I screamed or right. broke glass. Like, it didn't matter. They didn't hear me. Yeah. And they'd be like, you know, and then they'd stand up and kind of get in each other's faces and might shove each other, you know, yeah. whatever. And I'd be like, okay, okay, you know. <laughs> and then when when I'd get them settled, within two, literally, like, two minutes later, they're cutting up laughing. Yeah. I'm like, how do you do that? Yeah. Is that just a dude thing? <laughs> I don't know. I'm like, how do you just bounce back like that? Because you <laughs> totally just called him this. Yes. <laughs> And now y'all are like yes. laughing. Yeah. It's fascinating yeah, to me. It is. It's interesting. Because I grew up with sisters and it oh, ain't no. like that. Oh, yeah. It's days. Oh, yeah. Maybe years. <laughs> My little sister still brings up things. She's like, do you remember that one time when you didn't let me do And I'm like, oh my gosh, no, we were eight. <laughs> That's great. I don't. Yeah. But Okay. Uh, so you're a business owner. And how can people connect with you as far as like, because you also are a licensed or certified Christian counselor. Yes. So much about you. I feel like we need to reintroduce you because <laughs> we didn't say any of that, nor did we talk about your tattoo yeah. Um But you're a boy mom, a business owner, um, Christian counselor. You have a full sleeve of tattoos, <laughs> all these things. Um, plus you're cool and you're wise and you have a lot to offer the world. So how can people connect with you as far as like um, social media yeah. or do you have a website that people yeah. can go to? Like what For are those sure. kind of things? So I'm Mo underscore Wilkinson at, um, on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's Mo M O M O. Not yes. like M E A U X. We ain't trying yes. to be Cajun up in here. <laughs> it's <No>. just M O. <laughs> and Bo is the same. It drives him crazy when people try to Cajun it up. Mm-hmm. Like B E A O U X. Yeah. No, no, no. B O B O. Like, like you stink. That's right. You got some B-O. B-O. That's right. Bo. Okay. Okay. So your Instagram yeah. handle is Mo, is Mo underscore. underscore Wilkinson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's probably the best way. We're on Facebook. Bo in Mo, like just the letter N. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not on there quite as much though. Um, email too. I do have a website. Actually, I have a blog. Um, MaureenWilkinson.com slash blog. The MaureenWilkinson.com used to be my photography. I probably should check that out and, like, take that off. (laughs) (laughs) See if that's still active out there. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it is. Don't judge me. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, my blog, um, I haven't written in a hot minute, but it's there. I need to get back on. Um, But, yeah, probably Instagram would be the best way to reach Mm -hmm. out to me. And I do – I am certified um, in temperament counseling – um, I don't counsel that much anymore. I was, um, a volunteer at the church. Um, but I am always available for uh, any women that are walking through something similar and just need to relate to someone. Um, it can be really difficult to talk about a situation like this with family or friends, um, anyone really, but when you know that someone can can relate, it makes it a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm always willing. I've done that several times in the past and will continue to open myself up for that. So 
um, for sure if anyone, you know, needed, needed someone like that, um, they could definitely reach me, reach me on my blog or um, Instagram. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Mo, for coming out on this sure. stormy, rainy day yeah. and hanging out with me. I appreciate yeah. it. So. It was great. Yay. Thank you for having me. Of course. <laughs> <laughs>